Hello my dudes, my name is Tiffany, welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues and media. A few weeks ago, I made a lighthearted review of the- Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Netflix show The Circle, and you guys requested this one. So I watched Too Hot to Handle, so you don't have to. I'm obviously going to be talking about the show and my thoughts on it. There will be spoilers, but I will warn you before things get too detailed. By the way, if you wanna watch the show, I think it's only eight episodes, about 50-ish minutes each, so you can binge through it pretty quickly. So basically, the premise of the show is put a bunch of hot people who love hookup culture together on an island, and then tell them they're not allowed to hook up with each other. No kissing or sex of any kind. Oh, shit. Also, there is a $100,000 prize at stake, and every time someone breaks one of those rules, money is deducted from the prize pot. So when I first saw the trailer for this show, I was pretty intrigued because sexual tension is always an element of these reality TV dating shows. Everyone's hot and horny. Ooh, I hate that word. I'm never saying it again. I'm gonna be using probably a lot of euphemisms and sounding more like a dorky aunt than I usually do, which is saying something. Anyway, usually in these shows, it's kind of a big deal when people finally kiss or do sexy things. But this show was like, hey, let's capitalize on that sexual tension. Let's make the sexual tension the literal entire point of the show, which, okay, I'm here for it. Let's start off with the cast. Everyone on the show is a hot single who loves hooking up. And one interesting thing is that it's actually a mix of nationalities. So they have people from the United States, Canada, the UK, and Australia. So it's kind of interesting to have these different accents because people tend to think that different accents are hot. I mean, I have a British boyfriend, so confirmed. By the way, when I describe the cast, just like in the Circle video, it's based off of my own perceptions and judgments. We may not like or dislike the same people, so just remember, it's all opinion-based. We have Francesca from Vancouver. She is instantly branded as the hottest hot girl. She's kind of got that like vaguely Kardashian kind of Instagram model look. We have Harry from Australia, who apparently is very tall, and I think he has an extreme baby face, but a lot of people think he's really hot. We have Haley from Florida, Rhonda from Georgia, Sharon from New Jersey, and then we have Matthew. The show says he's from Colorado, but I think he lives in LA. My dude shows up where everyone is half naked, wearing a beanie, and the most like breezy, loosey-goosey outfit you have ever seen. I was cracking up from the minute I saw him. Then he takes his beanie off and he reveals his man bun and his long hair. Everybody's like, oh my God, you're like Jesus. And then later you see that he has a cross tattoo on his neck. My dude is an actual Christian. He's got that Jesus aesthetic, the white Jesus aesthetic, so. Anyway, then we have Chloe from Essex. She kind of right away brands herself as an airhead, which... Hi, I'm Chloe, I'm 20 years old. I'm quite ditzy as well, so I'm not the brightest spark um, in the book. 
We have David from London, Kells from London, Nicole from Ireland. So those are just introductions to the cast. Obviously not a lot of even first impressions yet. I will get into more of the specifics about everybody later, but one of my biggest first impressions of the entire show was this isn't Love Island. Now obviously the concept is different, but literally there were so many similarities in the way that the show is shot and edited. I was like, this has to be produced by the same company as Love Island because it's so similar. The cast intros, the big bedroom that everybody shares beds in, the get ready room for the girls, meetings around the fire, the mics around your neck and your waist, the slow motion dancing scenes, come on. I obviously get that a lot of reality shows can be similar, but this was just a lot. Is it a Love Island ripoff? Maybe. It's been compared to Love Island by a lot of people already. Love Island but worse. Love Island but different. Love Island but sexier. Make your own judgments. And then I immediately noticed the lack of diversity. And this is beef that I have with like most reality shows and honestly, most TV and film in general, but especially the dating shows that I've seen that are based in the US, the UK, or Australia. Obviously you can't always know someone's race or ethnicity just by looking at them, but visually this show is pretty black and white. And I'm just wondering, where are my East Asians, my South Asians, my Hispanics and Latinos, my native or indigenous people? And then of course, in terms of like size and appearance, it's very standardized for the most part. You know, you've got that like model looking kind of body. You have girls who are thin, but also still have boobs and a nice butt. You've got very muscular guys. And my beef is, though this is typical for a lot of reality TV shows so far, it's the status quo. There are so many sexy, wonderfully attractive people who also have really great personalities to add to the mix that don't fall into this extremely narrow kind of casting. I just think it would make these shows a lot more interesting if we had more variety in the types of people that get put in them. And I know that a lot of different people must apply to be on these shows. Another issue I have some beef with is heteronormativity. Again, dating shows tend to be very, very heteronormative, meaning that being straight is kind of assumed to be the standard. And in a lot of these shows, it's built into the way that the show is set up. Like on Love Island, the couplings are straight boy and girl. There is no same-sex coupling allowed. And on Too Hot to Handle, it doesn't necessarily blatantly say like this is a straight-only show, but it's kind of built in still. And I'm just gonna be real, and I'm straight, but I find these shows to be incredibly boring. And I'm always thinking, do you know how much more interesting and exciting these shows would be mixing things up if there were some more bisexual representation, pansexual people. In a show like this, aromantic people would be perfect. And by the way, it's always possible that there are contestants who do fall into these non-straight categories, but don't make it part of their identity on the show, which is fair. But again, I wish that it were more open and I wish that we could see more of that representation. But I also wanna make it clear that I'm not saying or suggesting that LGBTQ people should be thrown in as a twist or to make things more complicated. I just think it would be more realistic and again, yeah, more interesting. I think it might be more complicated in terms of the production and how you would try to envision couplings. It's not like, here's the boy group, here's the girl group, they'll meet up with each other. You never know, a guy comes in, he could like anybody. I'm just saying from a reality TV production perspective, why wouldn't you want that? Anyway, just please give us more queer dating shows.
Thank you. And if there are any good ones that I don't know of, please share them down below. I would love to watch. Okay, so finally, I'm going to actually explain the season in detail. This is your spoiler alert, all right? I'm gonna say I don't even really recommend watching the show, to be honest. But if you really want to, go watch it and come back to this video when you're done. So we get the intros to all the people. They're all hot people who know that they're hot, which is debatably some of the worst types of people. <laughs> they meet, they try to see who's into who. On day one even, some people get a little touchy. And then everyone meets Lana and the twist is revealed. Who's Lana? Oh, um, she's like Alexa or Siri and she lives in these little cones around the resort. She's always listening, she's always watching. Sometimes she'll just chime in and ask how you're doing or give you some advice. And the whole idea of this kind of AI godlike figure, omnipresent, all-seeing, judging, that's very weighted and very weird. We could get into that. But my favorite thing is that the almighty god is named Lana. Like, yes, good choice, honestly. Um, I just found out the real reason, apparently. That too. So yeah, Lana pops up and she talks to everybody and she reveals that there is in fact a cash prize. $100,000 is at stakes, people. She doesn't explain how you can really win that. How many people are gonna win it? Is it gonna be one person? Is it gonna be a couple? Who knows? And of course she reveals that due to the rules, you cannot kiss or be sexy or touchy with anyone in any way or you are going to lose the group money and you don't know how much each rule break costs until it happens. So it's a very risky business. So our God, Lord and Savior, Lana, wants all of the players to just learn to connect with people on a deeper emotional level, not just focus on sex or surface level attraction. And apparently everyone cast on this show is the serial dater type. You know, they're meeting someone new all the time. They're not good at getting to know people. They tend to just hook up and then move on to the next person. So if you ever want a real relationship, you're gonna have to learn to connect. But also the money is now a motivation, so you can't say that this is just purely based on people wanting to improve themselves. That's a factor. And all of the interview reaction clips to this part were just so funny, so corny, dude. You're hearing these people who are like, oh my God, I can't live without sex. Oh, you're also not allowed to um, engage in self-love. They're like, <laughs> I just can't. I can't go a day without sex or like hooking up with somebody. I've got a new girl on my boat every night. It's like, okay. It's not easy to go an extended period of time without any sexual release. Everyone's so horny. We get it, you love sex, but like, yeah, you can survive, okay? There were many memes made reacting to this, like, oh, to win $100,000, all I have to do is not have sex. I'd be great at this. Moving on, so Harry and Francesca end up being the first couple, and they end up being the first people to break a rule. They kiss, and every night, or I guess maybe every time there's a rule break, everybody gets called together by Lana to meet at the fire pit, and then they find out what rule was broken and how much it cost everyone, but they don't hear who did it. The rule break has cost $3,000. Oh, three grand. And naturally people are pissed because you don't want your prize money, potentially yours, to be taken away. So before this, Francesca had been honest with the girls and she told them that her and Harry had kissed, but Harry had gone and told the boys that she kissed him. And then we kissed. What? Wow. No. She kissed me, she kissed me. <laughs> 
So then at the fire pit, this little fight breaks out because he's trying to say that basically it's all her fault that she kissed him when in fact, he was the one who initiated it. In the heat of the moment, I've told the boys that Francesca's actually kissed me um, when I'm pretty sure I may have um, initiated that. And he needs to just be honest and say, hey, I did initiate it. It was a mutual kiss. It's all good. But instead, he is so immature and he insists on fighting and not realizing what he did wrong and that it was rude and a lie for him to say that Francesca kissed him. It's just so annoying. This part, I was like, all right, Harry, you were already kind of annoying to me for some reason, but you're out, okay? It was just so frustrating to immediately see him throw her under the bus when he's saying, oh my gosh, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. I like her so much. Dude, this is like episode one or two and I was already tired. Anyway, big red flags. Um, Francesca is obviously mad at him, but like conflicted cause like he's so hot. So for now their fling is over, tragic. And throughout that whole fireside chat, Haley, who had become friends with Francesca was defending her and you know, calling out Harry, which is good to an extent, but then she was kind of inserting herself into the drama too much and everyone was like, whoa, calm down lady. So it's Francesca and Haley against the world, apparently. They think everyone hates them. And they're like, you know, we might as well make out and make them lose more money. <laughs> Just kidding. Unless, and they make out to spite the group and make them lose more money because they assume that no one will ever find out that it was them. They're intentionally starting shit. They're making some evil moves. So then fast forward to the next fireside chat. Another rule's been broken, but who did it? And they're like, we're gonna play it chill. We're not gonna show anybody. We're gonna be like, what? <laughs> it was such a funny scene because Haley and Francesca were sitting there like, the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. They were like, <gasps> Who did this? What? Who could? I'm so mad. Who would do that? Not me. Definitely not us. Definitely not Haley and I. <laughs> it was painful to watch, but also really funny. And then Haley has the audacity to try to blame the kiss that she knows was her on Sharon and Rhonda. So then they dip out, they leave early. And then Matthew's like, they're being suspicious. Like what if Haley and Francesca kissed? And everyone's like, mm, I don't know. And then again, they leave and they're talking and they're like, oh my God, everyone hates us. Everyone's so lame, like fuck everybody except us, blah, blah, blah. But they're also kind of worried. They're like, what if they find out that it's us? And Haley's like, should we pretend we're in love? And okay, gotta stop you there. During Haley's intro, she had said something about liking to hook up with girls. We don't know necessarily if she dates girls or if she just likes to kiss them. Either way, it's fine, who knows? but the queer baiting of it all. When I saw this part, I was kind of upset because I had seen the kiss in the trailer and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe there will be a same sex kind of relationship here going on. And to find out that that kiss was used just to create drama was honestly really disappointing. There's so much to go into about that, but it's just not a good look. And again, I don't know what Haley's actual sexuality is, but like joking, like should we pretend we're in love to cover up for our kiss? Just, just bad vibes, honestly. So then later on, we have another fireside meeting. Sorry, I'm just fast forwarding through everything because this is all that mattered to me really. Matthew, Jesus, directly asks Haley, did you guys kiss? And she's like, no. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Oh, I didn't kiss Francesca. And then he goes, you know what? I'm gonna ask Lana. And he's like, Lana, did Sharon and Rhonda kiss? And she says, no. And then he goes, Lana, was it Francesca and Haley? And Lana goes, affirmative. And everyone freaks the fuck out. And it's so embarrassing because now obviously Francesca and Haley have been caught red-handed. They are liars. They not only intentionally did this to make the group lose money, when everyone else, there, there are couples who are budding in interest, they like each other, and they haven't even kissed because they don't wanna break the rules. So it's a big slap in the face for these girls to just try to start drama and waste money for their own selfish reasons. And then they lied about it on top of that. Woo, okay. So then later on, eventually, there's another little twist where everyone gets watches. Fun. And these watches will turn green. And that means that you get basically a temporary hall pass to break a rule. So like if it turns green and you're with someone, then you guys could kiss. Fun. You're literally given the green light to go make out. <laughs> Otherwise, throughout the first few episodes, we see some people randomly get sent on dates. Again, it's kind of Love Island-y. They'll be like, so-and-so, you get to go on a date with him. And then you sit and like sip on something and snack on a little snack. And sometimes a couple gets chosen to spend the night in a private suite. Will they be tempted to break the rules? Will they have S-E-X? Probably. Another part of the show were these little workshops that they did. So the first one was hosted by Shan Booty. She is a sexologist and intimacy expert. She has a YouTube channel. She's an author. She's great. She led this workshop. It was about building trust. Very cute. I actually forgot about a whole workshop or two. This one was about nonverbal communication. And then the second workshop was just for the boys and they all had to like put mud on each other and they had to open up about their insecurities and they all ended up bonding a lot and it was very, very sweet. And then there was a third workshop where Shan Booty was back and she was talking to the girls about Yoni appreciation. How do I say this as a euphemism? The girls are talking about their yayas. Let's say, let's not say. But anyway, it was kind of cool. They all had to like be in these little enclosed things and like look at themselves with a mirror, which hey, not everybody has done that yet. And so they wanted to appreciate their bodies and be like, yo, you're dope. <laughs> which by the way, I think this is really, really important. I think this type of stuff should be taught in like sixth grade sex ed whenever you have your first sex ed class because so many girls are very insecure about their bodies and a lot of us tend to think like oh i look weird or i'm not normal when in fact you're probably very normal and there's a variety of shapes and looks anyway i could point you to many resources to watch that because i am uncomfortable talking about sex and things especially on youtube videos it's a good thing i decided to make an entire video about a show about sex but anyway, one thing I wanna say about that workshop, I got somebody who replied to my post about this show and they said that Chloe said something like, our yonis are what make us women. And I think that that could definitely be interpreted as kind of a an exclusionary thing, like not including trans women in that. If you're saying only women have yonis or all women have yonis. So I just rewatched that scene and didn't actually hear Chloe say this. So I cannot confirm and I don't want to throw her under the bus, but I do think this still is an important point to make regardless. But it is important to note that not all women have yonis or not all people with yonis are women. All right. But anyway, 
anyway, the workshops were my favorite part of the show because obviously they were more interesting than hearing people just like lay around and be like, he's so hot, I'm so turned on. We can't have sex, Ugh. But if the point of the show, like Lana said, is to learn and test yourself and grow as a person, then these workshops are really where they're probably doing the most growth and having these mini lessons about certain things that might help them, you know, love themselves more or be more open to relationships. That's great. These activities teach them more than just abstaining from sex. And plus they help build trust and closeness with each other, so it's great to see. Okay, continuing on, let's talk a little bit more about the cast. So we had the original people and then we had just a few latecomers. The first was Bryce. He showed up, he's from LA, and he lives on a boat. And Chloe said, that either means he's rich or he's poor. Which made me laugh because I'm like living on a boat kind of sounds cool but it's also like you do wonder you're like dude are you like living on your parents boat I mean I don't know live your life Bryce but he did seem a little bit creepy at first because he kept mentioning how he like lures women onto his boat because like women love boats right then we have Madison and Lydia who honestly we don't have a lot of time to learn about them and I completely forgot about this guy, Corey. The three of them arrived on episode six of eight. And then we have Haley. And Haley, from the beginning, when it was her and Francesca against the world, she was like, I hate everyone. They're all stupid. I hate Lana. I hate these activities. I'm not going to do anything. And it's like, dude, then why are you here? So then Lana sends her ass home, which honestly I loved. I was like, wow, I didn't know they would do that. But great choice because she honestly wasn't, she wasn't participating. She wasn't adding anything good. And sometimes drama is nice, but she was killing the vibe, okay? I, I've said vibe too many times in this video. Goodbye, Haley. And then we have Chloe. And again, Chloe kind of branded herself as the dumb one, which I don't know. She can be kind of endearing sometimes. I like her mostly. So throughout the season, she at first likes David and realizes, nah, not feeling it. And then she's interested in Bryce and then she kisses him and then she's not feeling it. And then she's interested in Corey, kisses him and realizes she's not feeling it. So Chloe, can you just please stop kissing everyone that you think you might like because you're burning money. Sorry, Lana. Thanks, babe. And then we have Sharon and Rhonda. I haven't even mentioned them, but they were honestly just unproblematic. They were a great couple. I think they had the best connection. You know, the, the whole show kind of gets monopolized by Harry and Francesca, but Sharon and Rhonda like kept to themselves. They actually seemed to want to get to know each other on a personal level. They didn't want to break the rules. I forgot about their night in the private suite where they definitely did break rules. The list of offences includes kissing, inappropriate touching of the constant use of the in the but I think after that they tried not to. They opened up to each other about things that were difficult. Rhonda reveals that she has a child, the cutest little boy. So I love them. So then going back to Harry and Francesca. Okay, so after their fight on literally day one, Francesca dates Kells briefly, but then realizes she's not feeling it and ends up going back to Harry anyway. And then once they're back together, they're like, we're the happiest couple in here. And they just keep breaking the rules. I think they were the only people to ever have sex. And that cost, I think, 30 something thousand dollars. So Francesca and Harry alone are kissing, kissing, kissing 
saxing and just the prize money is just dwindling away it's like did you forget that this prize money is everyone's it was annoying because at one point francesca was like everyone's like mad at us that we're such a good couple they're not happy for us it's like no dude you can be a couple they'd be happy for you but you're burning everyone's money this is communal prize money and you're being selfish actually also the point of the show is to not break the rules and they did not try most of the time they were like should we? Okay, let's do it. It's like, dude, put in a little bit more effort. And it's annoying because Lana kept rewarding them. Lana would be like, if you're doing well, Lana would praise you or reward you with a green light or something. And Lana kept being like, you did the bare minimum. Woo! It's like, yeah, you broke all the rules more than everyone, but you did the bare minimum once. I'm tired of it. Then there were a few people who were single or mostly single and therefore didn't get a lot of action or airtime in the show, including Nicole, Matthew, Kells. Late in the show, David and newcomer Lydia have a little bit of a connection, but we still don't really hear much about it. And following up on Matthew, our man bun Jesus. He was one of my favorite characters. He always had very great commentary. He was a little sassy, but I just liked what he had to say. I like the attitude. And he's obviously this like kind of hippie spiritual dude and he doesn't connect with anyone right away. And then Madison comes in and they were sitting next to each other and she said something like, I'm really looking for a spiritual connection. And you see Matthew like kind of look over and for a second you're like, oh my God, Matthew and Madison are gonna be a thing and they're gonna talk about spirituality. But then it doesn't happen. There's not an actual connection there. And then Matthew makes an announcement to the group that he's dipping out. He's leaving, his time is done, and it's heartbreaking. We'll miss you. So again, remember, all of this is happening within eight episodes. And near the end, I was like, dude, how are we even close to near the end? I feel like we had just started to finally make progress. People are finally making connections. Maybe because I feel like I'm mentally comparing it to Love Island, where it literally has like an entire summer every single night of episodes. But when you condense everything into less than eight hours of content, you gotta move quick, so suddenly it's the end. I'm watching it and I'm wondering, and you can tell the contestants are wondering, so how's this prize money gonna go? Who's gonna win it? Is it gonna go to the best couple? Is it gonna go to the single person who learned a lot and grew? Everyone's talking about who deserves it the most. Should it be Sharon and Rhonda? Should it be Harry and Francesca? And then Corey and Madison get sent home because they literally were so irrelevant that they like didn't deserve a chance to win the prize money, which all right, I respect it. I don't remember how much money the prize money got down to. I think it was maybe around 50,000 or less. And then there's a big reveal that the group has a chance to earn back some money and they're stoked until they find out that it's going to be on the shoulders of Harry and Francesca, the people who have lost the most money, and that they are going to be locked in a private suite together all night. And the challenge is you will win more money back if you can successfully not touch each other once. And so naturally everyone has zero faith that they would be able to do that because so far they have shown that they have no restraint. And we see clips of them literally like chasing each other around the room and it is so infuriating because it's like, yo, literally just sit, sit on opposite sides of the room. Just wait a whole night and then you will win money, all right? Again, don't be selfish. It's not about you. It's about the whole group and everyone is relying on you, so please. So then we find out they were successful. The prize goes up to a total of $75,000. And then there's this 
fireside chat where names are getting called one by one and we're like, what does this mean? Is this person winning? Is this person eliminated? Who knows? And then they call everyone's name, everyone's standing, and they're like, well, Lana is like, you have all won. You each received $7,500. And everyone's like, all right, cool. It was actually very anticlimactic at the end. I was like, all right. So quickly, here are my takeaways of the show overall. Um, yeah, like I said, the ending was anticlimactic. I think that the rules were very unclear and it definitely seemed like they were changing the rules along the way, which happens in reality TV. You know, producers like to switch things up, but this just really felt more disorganized than usual. I was watching it with my boyfriend Nathan and he was just so annoyed by the show. He was like, the format makes no sense. There's this grand reveal and then in future seasons, what's gonna happen? Cause everyone knows the twist. There are no secrets left. Are they gonna keep the rules the same? Are they gonna change the way that the money is deducted? Great questions, Nathan. So I think if there are any future seasons of this hot mess show, they are gonna have to switch things up so that it's not predictable and the same as this time around. Generally, I'm like, okay, the whole point of the show apparently was stop just hooking up with people immediately. You need to get to know people. You need to open yourself up so that you can have a real relationship. All right, did anyone actually learn anything? We don't know. Obviously the way that it's edited, we only really see a few of the people highlighted like Harry and Francesca, but there were so many cast members that we didn't see or hear a lot of. So I do wonder what everybody else was up to this entire month. I'm also confused overall, does this show want to be shallow or deep? Cause they're kind of like in the beginning, they're like, this is a shallow show about all the sex people who only care about sex and nothing else. And then there are moments that are like really deep, like in the workshops where they're like all about like deeper connection. And I just think like tonally, it never really reaches a point that seems clear. I feel like they're going in so many different directions. It's the first season, maybe they will change things, maybe it will improve, but would I want to watch another season of this? I don't know. So where are they now? After watching reality shows, I love following up with the cast, going to Instagram, seeing how many followers they have now, seeing what they've been up to. First of all, when was this show filmed, actually? Last April, April 2019. Are the couples still together? We'll find out. First person I looked up was Harry, and I found out that Harry had been on another reality TV dating show called Heartbreak Island that I've never seen, and apparently he won it with some girl. They won $100,000, but then they broke up, so. I was like, hmm, what's gonna happen here? Are Harry and Francesca still together? Apparently, they are. Quote, Francesca and I are better than ever, Harry revealed. We took a bit of a break in between, but now we are full steam ahead. I can't wait to start traveling and we can put some babies in her belly. Oh, okay, wow, moving fast. Apparently they got matching tattoos and want to get married, so best of luck to you guys, I guess. They also have a new couples vlogging channel, which, whoo, that's gotta be great content. Can't wait. I found out that Harry has a brand called Naughty Possums, which is a phrase that he annoyingly repeated probably a dozen times in the first episode alone. He has designs such as boyfriend dick embroidered on a sweatshirt or just $32,000, which refers to the amount of money that he lost in the game by having sex. Very cool of you. So that could be like a new term that people use to, to say that they've done the deed. They're like, you know, 32 grand. <sighs> I'm wearing it on a sweatshirt. I've had sex. 
And then in looking at his website, I realized something weird in the reviews for his products. A lot of people were referring to a giveaway. And I realized that people were leaving reviews on his products to enter a giveaway to win those products. So they're leaving reviews for products that they do not own, have never tried, but would like to win. And I'm like, mm, Harry, that's not how reviews work. But that's a very sneaky way to get hundreds or thousands of five-star reviews on your products, so sketchy. And then we have Frankie. <laughs> she calls herself Frankie on social media. Frankie has merch, which is honestly the laziest merch I have ever seen, and that's saying a lot. There were 26 options of quote-unquote local artists who had drawn or painted mostly just near-nude photos of her, but they're just the art like slapped onto an overpriced t-shirt or sweatshirt or like Team Frankie baseball caps. It just, it doesn't seem like a lot of effort was put into this. And I just wonder who buys this merch. Like obviously I'm sure that she has some new fans, but like who really is that like Team Frankie that they'll wear a hat or just wear a sweatshirt with her mostly naked body on it. It's a fashion choice for some. Also though, she has a swimwear line that claims to be sustainable and ethically made. I looked into it, there's not a ton of detail, and I think that's cool and it's a lot more on brand for her. She posts a lot of swimwear shoots and like lingerie stuff, so like cute swimwear makes sense much more than her other merch. I looked at mostly everybody else's Instagrams and they don't seem to be doing much that's notable to be honest. I mean, they're doing their thing. I think it's interesting that they were on this show, they recorded this show a full year ago, and now it's coming out and, and they're going, you know, up to half a million followers on Instagram or a million or two million followers overnight by this show, because that's what happens when you do reality TV these days. Forgot to mention that Sharonda, Sharon and Rhonda, unfortunately split after the show. So our success story is really gonna be Harry and Francesca. I am, I'm shook. My, my radiator's turning on and I can't really talk much more, but I hope you guys enjoyed this little recap of Too Hot to Handle Season 1. Again, by now you probably have watched the show or have no intention of watching the show, and I hope that I gave a decent, entertaining summary for you. It's time for me to make dinner. My voice is going. Thank you for watching. If you want to follow me on Instagram for some mediocre pics, you can do that. If you want to follow me on Twitter for some, some tweeter tweets, you know? What else is on that? trash fire of a website. And please subscribe and stay tuned for more videos. If you want me to review any other bad TV shows, I mean, I have the time. So let me know. All right. Okay, thanks. Bye.